Acts chapter 13. It's a blessing to be here in the house of the Lord with God's dear people. Welcome, live streamers. We've uh, met a few people that said, we saw you on live stream. And uh, it, it just amazes me that they saw me and kept, kept listening. Uh, but we're glad you're doing that. We're glad you're tuned on and tuned in. And we pray that the distractions at home would be minimum as we pray that the distractions at church will be minimum. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something now. The devil's going to see to it that you can lose focus if you want to. I mean, you've got to concentrate on allowing God to speak to your heart and allow God to, just God to speak to you. And I'm always asking, Lord, help, help me to be uh, sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm always praying that God's people that are listening wouldn't be distracted, but they too would be concentrating on allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart. You've got a beautiful place here. Uh, South Dakota, if it all looks like this, it's beautiful. Saw some farmland today and beautiful, beautiful. Holstein cattle. I tell you, I'd rather have a Holstein cow uh, than a Texas longhorn. Uh, but I'm serious now. I, I, I think they're just gorgeous animals. And they serve a purpose. They make ice cream. I like that. And uh, so anyway, we, we got to see some things. And we got to uh, visit with the man this morning uh, that, that was... Uh, saw me on live stream, and he's a farmer, and it was a blessing to be able to talk with him and uh, just spend time with some of you folks, some of you dear people, and um, I'm looking forward to when we, when we all get to heaven. I would love to introduce you to our people, and I'd love for our people, uh, for you to meet them, and they to meet you, and uh, that'll happen when we get to heaven, and we'll just have eternity to enjoy everybody. And we'll be perfect in everything that we think and everything that we say and everything that we do. Won't that be great? We wouldn't have to worry about hurting feelings. Sometimes I just, uh, uh, I, I, sometimes I say things and I, I hurt feelings and I don't, it's, it's not in my DNA to want to hurt feelings. I remind people constantly, your pastor doesn't have the heart uh, nor the desire to try to hurt people. I'm here to help people. But I'm telling you, if you don't tell God's people the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, it's going to hurt them. And so when we tell them the truth, it'll help them. And that's what we want to do tonight. That's what we want to be tonight is a blessing to this precious church, Bible Baptist Church, and a blessing to your dear pastor. Known him for a lot of years and watched him grow up, and, and God is using him in a great way. And I'm so glad that he's here. Let me just admire your, your platform up here. you got a baptistry. That means you probably baptize folks, right? Amen. Uh, I tell you what, when we first went to Philadelphia Baptist Church, we didn't have a baptistry. Did you know that? Remember that? And then we put an addition on, okay? They talked about, well, let's not put an addition on. Let's just cut a hole in the floor and, uh, and then just remove the, uh, the, the, the wood or whatever to baptize. And I said, oh, no, 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 because somebody will have a button someday, and I'll be standing over that hole, and I, all of a sudden I'm gone. And I don't want to do that. So we built an addition onto the church, and the Lord blessed, and we were able to baptize. And just uh, Baptist churches ought to be winning souls and baptizing folks. And so as I look up here, I see the Christian, I see the American flag, and I'm patriotic. When I when I bleed, I, I bleed red, white, and blue. And I think that God's people in America ought to be glad that you're an American. I'd rather be an American than any uh, anywhere else in the world. America, thank God for America. Now we've got problems. Uh, we're sick. We've got some sickness in America. But we know the great physician. Amen? 
If my people, which are called by my name, that's the answer, God's people, and we've got a job before us, and with God's help, we're going to do what we can do. So I love that American flag, and then I love the Christian flag because it represents what we are. You know, Christian doesn't mean you're saved. It means you're Christ-like. Saved people ought to be Christ-like. I've known some saved people that are not Christ-like, and that's why they were first called Christians at Antioch. Because they were Christ-like. The world thought that was an insult. Well, you bunch of Christians, that's all you are. Now, that's, that's a medal of honor for us. We like to be called and referred to as Christians because that means we're Christ-like. So I like that Christian flag. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not in every church. In fact, in most churches, you will not see the Jew, Jewish, the Hebrew flag. You will not. Now, if you went to Beville Baptist Church, you'll see it. You'll see it flying high on the outside. You'll see it. Uh, in, on the inside, just, just like that. And uh, that's, that's a special thing. The Lord allowed me to go to Israel about 10 years ago for the first time. And when I was in Israel, I saw things that affected my heart. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm 66 now, so I was about 56 then. All right, now I've been in the ministry for a lot of years. And I could have been a, a blessing and a help to a lot of people had I seen and experienced what I experienced 10 years ago. And so from that time till now, I've been able to go three times. Uh, the first time I went, and man, uh, it, the, the, the specialness of walking where Jesus walked, went to Nazareth, and Nazareth wasn't that big, and I just know that some of the places that I walked, Jesus played on as a boy. And uh, then I went to that place where it overlooked the Sea of Galilee, and it wasn't a big space at all, and I just tried to walk all the way around because I knew, and, and I dropped several times, I knew that's where Jesus was. Praying when he get, when he went apart and prayed, and uh, you could see you could see a clear across the Sea of Galilee, and you uh, and that's of course when the uh, Jesus come walking on the water to his disciples, and so I saw all that and it's changed my life. I can't read the Bible, I can't even sing a song without uh, seeing some things. When I came back from Israel, uh, folks, I, I I I had that that newfound. It wasn't it's not new, but it's always been in the Bible, but it, I, I realized to the Jew first and also to the great. To the Jew first. And see, most of us will we'll send missionaries around the world, but neglect the Jews. What does the Bible promise? That if you'll uh, pay attention to God's kids and be a blessing to uh, Abraham's children, the Jews, uh, that he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. That's what God promised. And so I came back from Israel just challenged and charged and to the Jew first. And we started taking on Jewish ministries and we started uh, preaching about Israel and things and this and that. And you know what? God started blessing our church. Me personally, when I first went, we took an offering over there. And we helped a, a, a Jewish uh, preacher uh, get established. And he said, and he, he makes no bones about it. He says, that money right there is the seed money we needed to get started as a church. And uh, he was a Jew, and an uh, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, big B Baptist Jew, like we are, believes the Bible, the King James Bible. And so uh, he, he, he said that, and, and, and then we started personally seeing blessings uh, in our life, my wife and I. Uh, we looked at a piece of property, and they said, you don't make enough money, and your debt is too great, and there's just no way. Uh, we, we own the place now. And, uh, and for our church, uh, well, the men got together, and we said, we need, to, we need to build. We need to either improve our facilities or build another. And uh, so we decided we would, by faith, build. 
And in the matter of three years, the Lord provided every penny needed to build. We didn't borrow a dime. God made it happen. Now, we're pastoring people uh, with an annual income of about 35000 40000 And I said, before we build, we're not go- it's, if, if I see our missions dipping, we're, we're not going to let that happen. If I see our bus ministry dipping, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let our teens uh, go without just to build a building. Oh, we're not going to do that. We're going to trust God. If God can do it, it's going to be done. God did it. And I believe all those connections is when our church started getting excited about being a blessing to Abraham's children. And that's why everywhere I go, I've got to say something about it. Brother Ivan, have you ever been to Israel? I think you need to go. I, I don't think you need to wait until you're old either. Because when you're younger, you'll have more opportunity to promote and, and encourage people. We have people that are giving to Israel weekly that they never would have done before. And they're, boy, they're in the boat when it comes to wanting to be a blessing to Abraham's children. And they have connections too on how God has blessed them as well. And, and boy, I tell you what, I'm so glad that my church sent me. They sent me once and, and uh, I didn't ask them a second time. Somebody in the church says, I'm going to pay your way. And I got to go a second time. And then about two years later, that same family came up to me and said, you want to go again? I said, I'd love to go again. So I got to go three times. And they asked me recently if I want to go again. I said, I have a son-in-law that needs to go. And he's, uh, he's, in, his, he's in his early 40s. And uh, would to God that he could go and he could be. He's got more ministry ahead of him than I do. And I've been there three times. So let's, let's see what we can do. And uh, so I, I think if... Uh, if I was the president of any Bible college, part of the curriculum was, uh, before you graduate, we, we'll take you to Israel and let you see and experience some things, and you'll come back a changed person. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out at you, uh, just to encourage you to go to the Holy Lands and see the great things of God. Are you at Acts chapter 13? If you are, say amen. Acts chapter 13, I want to direct your attention to verse 5. Acts chapter 13 Verse 5. And let's go to verse 4, okay? They're all good, aren't they? This is all the inspired, infallible Word of God. All of it is. Amen? And it doesn't matter where we pick it up. I mean, it's, it's the Word of God. The Old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. Amen? And just anywhere you go, anything you do, you're going to see something from heaven. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Alright, let's look at verse 4. It says, So they, being sent forth, by the Holy Ghost. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. huh? That's important. Knowing that you're being sent by the Holy Ghost. Departing unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they uh, uh, were at uh, Salamis, uh, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isles at Patmos, us, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus. Now, let me just stop there and just make a comment. Anytime you do something for God, anytime the Holy Spirit's involved in sending you or encouraging to do something, you just take a stand for Jesus Christ and doing something for God, there's going to be opposition. There's always going to be opposition. Don't, don't stick your head in the sand uh, when it comes to not having problems. You're going to have problems. You're going to have problems, but you've got a problem solver, as I tried to explain last night. You've got a problem solver, and he's going to give you the strength to just keep on keeping on when you just want to fall by the wayside. And so in verse 6, uh, we see there in verse 
6, and we're going to go all the way down to verse 13. It says, And when they had gone through the isle unto Patphos, uh, they found a certain saucer, a uh, false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, uh, which was when the deputy of the country, uh, uh, Sergius uh, Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Bar- Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. Now, who was the they <clears throat> mentioned in verse 4? Uh, so they being sent by the Holy Ghost. Who were the they? Paul and Barnabas. Okay? We, we see that. All right. And there in, in verse 8, But Elymas, uh, the saucer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. That's always the motive of the devil. Always, always, always. He can use people. He can use Christians. The devil just doesn't care who he uses to try to get you to fall from the faith and uh, to turn around and go the other way. He doesn't care who he uses. If a person's usable, he don't mind using them. He uses circumstances. He uses all kinds of things. Then in verse 9, Then Saul, who also is called, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. The word filled means to be controlled. Uh, to be, uh, the Bible says, be not uh, full of wine, wherein in success, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled, to be controlled. Don't be inebriated. Don't be controlled by liquor, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. All right? This is what they were. They were controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible says in verse 10, and as Paul was speaking, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, being controlled, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? That's, that's the motive of the devil. That's, that's uh, when he inspires devil-inspired people. That's what they do. Okay? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now we see here there's a battle going on. We see there's a battle for righteousness and a battle for unrighteousness. The devil has his representation there. And the Lord has his representation there. And the sinner stands between. And he's watching and listening and feeling. And here we see that uh, the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Verse 13, And when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergia and Pamphylia. And John departed from them, returning, returned to Jerusalem. Now I want to direct your attention to chapter 15. When the battle got hot, when things got horrible, by the way, there's always blessings in the midst of all that. Somebody got saved. And somebody got saved, got some influence. With that influence, he leads other people to the Lord. Somebody got saved. But there was a spiritual battle taking place in the process. Okay, there in chapter 15, let's look at verse 36. In chapter 15 and verse 36, the Bible says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. 
And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. All right, so we see here John Mark had departed from Pamphilius. I, I mean, the, the, the battle was too great. He saw things that he didn't want to see and, and battles he didn't want to fight and things were happening and, and he departed right in the midst of, of, a, of a great job being done. And so here uh, we see uh, Barnabas wanting to take John Mark. And verse 38, But Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them, uh, uh, departed from, them from Pamphylia, and, not, uh, and went not with them to the work. So here you've got a fellow that turned tail and ran uh, when, the time, when the work got interesting and, and um, everything. And so Paul thought it not good. Barnabas thought it good. Paul thought it not good. Barnabas had the heart the size of Texas. And, and many times, boy, that's good to have a big heart. But it's not always the best thing because sometimes the big heart, you don't have a, a sound mind. <laughs> uh, you, your heart controls. And when you ought to put the two together, I, I, that's what I believe about the husband and wife. Uh, the man may have the, the mind, but the, heart, the, wife, the wife has the heart. She's the heart of the home. God bless the heart of the home. When I think about the home, I think about God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I think the woman plays the place of the Holy Spirit in the home. She's not highly recognized. Uh, she's a ne so uh, neglected and, and just, uh, just sometimes she's just not exalted the way she should. But she's always pointing the children toward the father. And the father is always proud of his children. And it just seems like the woman is the most neglected. And I'm telling you, in the spiritual walk, that can be the same way with God's family. God the Father. Uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And so we see there, where are we? Verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 38, right? But Paul thought it not good. I mean, if he left once, he could leave again. All right, verse 39. And the contention was so great, so sharp, between them that they departed asunder, uh, one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. So Barnabas said, okay, well, I'll take him. God's got to be done. I'm going to do it. I'll take him. And then we see in verse 40, and Paul chose Silas and departed. Now notice this, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. One had a, a parachurch ministry being recommended by the brethren, and one had a church ministry being recommended by the brethren. And from this point forward, you don't see Barnabas and Mark, but you do see Paul and Silas. And you see where the emphasis is here. All right, now the, the, the thing that I want to talk about the most tonight, and, and we could call this Stay in Crete Part 2. We could call it that, but we're not. We're going to talk about being casualties in the ministry and why does that happen. And we see John Mark uh, in the midst of it all. I mean, all the wonderful accomplishment that God was doing but in, in the work, there's always going to be oppositions and problems. And he focused on the problems and he forsook the work. Now, he wants to get back in it. And uh, there's a question over whether Paul was wrong or, or Barnabas was wrong. I'm going to stick with Paul. I sure am. I'm going to stick with the Apostle Paul. One of the reasons I'm going to stick with the Apostle Paul because his heart and his burden and his great desire was see, to see the Jews saved. See them, that was what he wanted. He would have given his life. He would have given his soul to see them saved. 
That was his burden, his heart's desire. But his call was to us Gentiles. So with that in his heart, he burned the candle at both ends and went westward with the gospel. And one day he went, the gospel went so far west, it went to a place called Corpus Christi, Texas. In 1969, I gloriously got saved. And I've been trying to take the gospel around everywhere I go as well. And so one of the ways I can show the Apostle Paul appreciation is do my best to try to keep the Jews out of hell. Do my best to try to, you know, it's nice to feed people and clothe people, but, but that's very temporary. God didn't call the church into feeding and clothing. God called the church to keep people out of hell. That's the message that we're supposed to have. Uh, Bible Baptist Church isn't uh, here to make the world a better place for people to go to hell from. It's to keep people out of hell. That is the purpose of this church. And that is the purpose of every Bible-practicing, uh, Bible-believing person. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His blessings. And I want to give you some reasons why I think might have been some of the reasons John Mark forsook the ministry and why Christians today forsake the ministry after they've been in it. They forsake the ministry. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'll help me to say what needs to be said. I pray that you'll give us ears to hear. I pray that you'll help us to behold wondrous things from your word. I pray, Father, especially for me, that I would be sensitive uh, to the uh, leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray that you'll meet the needs on the people's hearts tonight. You know, you know what the need is. And Lord, I don't know. The only thing I can do is just be faithful at uh, preaching those things that I believe that you put on my heart for tonight. Now, I pray that you'll bless your word, honor your word. And, uh, and Father, I pray that lost people would be saved and saved people would be encouraged. And maybe someone that's about to quit on you, someone that's about to turn their back on the cause of Christ, that he or she might be affected to do the right thing. May thy will be done. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Our theme has been, been, our theme is found faithful. We want you to be found faithful. But what might have been some of the reasons that John Mark left, left the ministry? Why do people today uh, leave the ministry? Uh, some of these things may be, may not be. But uh, maybe he was homesick. Ever thought about that? Maybe he was just uh, wanting to get back home and see his family and be a part of that. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You know, I've been saying for a long time, you know, it costs you nothing to be saved. It costs Jesus everything. Salvation is free to us. It is costly to God. Uh, he looked down and he says, I, I love you so much. And it was God's plan of salvation for, for perfect blood to be shed so that it will somehow wash away our sin. And it's all by faith. It's never by works. Okay? And so God loves us so much. Jesus paid the price. He was willing to go, and he did. And he put his arms out, and he was fastened to a cross, and um, he, he pulled himself up, and he made all kinds of statements uh, as he pulled himself up with those nail-fastened hands and those nail fastened feet and uh, Father forgive them for they know not what they do and then finally he says into thine hands I commend my spirit but before that he said it is finished 
Salvation has been complete. There's nothing that can be added to it. It is finished. And he paid that awful price that needed to be paid. Now, we need to have such a massive love for Jesus Christ. And there's been a many a person who have, le- who have left the comfort of home and gone into the ministry. And their parents say, don't you love us? Why are you going? Because I love God more. And God says, go. And with God's help, I'm going to go. And godly parents uh, wouldn't try to hold back their adult children as they've surrendered and submitted to the will of God. They would do their best to encourage them. All right? wonder if John Mark was just homesick. You know, he wasn't paying the price of being a disciple. It's going to cost you. Like I said about revival, you really want revival. It will cost you. It's going to cost you. You have to submit and give up to some things. First of all, you, you pray and ask God to show you your sin. And you confess your sin. And then you make yourself available to whatever, whenever, however God wants. And you walk with God. And it's, it's, it's as if you were just saved. The, the, the freshness, the newness, the excitement. I want to be excited at 16, 66 as I was at 15 when I got saved. I was excited. I told everybody about what Jesus did for me. I couldn't, I couldn't show them a Bible verse, but I could tell them what happened to me. Now I can show them a Bible verse. But I want to be just as excited or more so. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. He might have been homesick. He may have been unhappy with Paul becoming their leader. All of a sudden, he used to be Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. Now it's Paul and Barnabas. And he may not have liked that, that Paul, uh, God was choosing Paul uh, for this leadership. I think I've got a hair on my glasses. And how can that be? Where did it come from? <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Maybe it's angel hair. We don't know. But uh, he may have been unhappy with the apostle Paul becoming the leader. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You ought to thank God that God has given you a leader. And that word submit, submit, you know, there's two words. There's subject and submit. Submit, submission is a compliance of the heart. You do it because it's in your heart to do it. Uh, subjection is a military command. You will. And that is a compliant by command. I would rather submit by the heart than have to submit because of a command. But both of those type words are used throughout the Bible uh, for the child of God. Now, we're to submit ourselves uh, unto uh, them that have the rule over us. One of these days, he's going to stand before God, and he's going to have to give an account. He's responsible. So if he's responsible, he ought to be in charge, right? He, you know, it's like Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve, uh, uh, when, when there was a problem there, who was held responsible? Who sinned first? Who took of the forbidden fruit first? But who was held responsible? Adam. The man of the home is responsible. That's why, do you, have you ever considered the word husband? Husband? You know what that means? Hus, coming from house or home, it's a hus band. You know what a rubber band, it's a binder. A husband is someone, it's a home binder. 
And if you're not binding your home and they go haywire, starting with the wife, we've got a problem. And who do you think God's going to hold accountable? The leader of the home. When the nation goes wild, who do we hold accountable? The president. I mean, the state goes wild. Who do we hold accountable? The governor. The church goes haywire. Uh, who do we hold accountable? The man of God, the, 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 God that, the man that God installed as leader. He didn't install a dictator. There's a difference between a loving leader and a dictator. A loving leader may say the same things as the dictator, but it's the way he presents it. Because he's got a heart, because he cares about God's people. You've got yourself a pastor, a fellow that weeps over, over the souls and the condition of this church. He's a man of God. And I've, I've seen that <clears throat> time again this week. And I, and I, and I love that about him. I, I'm, I'm anxious to get him down to South Texas. I'm thinking about doing it in the middle of summer when it's 110 degrees. We're trying. <clears throat> he may have been unhappy with Paul becoming leader. He may have been attracted to the world. You know, the world has a whole lot of pull. You know, Abraham got wrong with God. He went down into Egypt. But he got right with God and he came out. But there was a lasting problem that took place. He took Lot with him. And when Lot was down in Egypt, he saw things and experienced uh, things that he never should have seen and never should have had experiences over. And then one day when Abraham and Lot split company, and Abraham said, if you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I'll go to the left. And he looked and he saw the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Reminding him of the Garden of Eden. Garden of God. And so he chose that. And then you know the rest of the story where he ended up and what happened in his uh, wicked life. Now where did all that begin? Where did the love for the world begin? It began when Abraham and Sarah was wrong with God and they went down into Egypt. And that's where uh, that seed of worldliness was planted in the heart of Lot. And moms and dads, it's so careful that you stay right with God. It's so careful that you make the right godly decision because there's little ones that are looking at you and you might allow some seeds of wickedness to be planted in their heart and, and for it to grow and manifest itself one day. We've got to, we've got to watch out for those things. You may have been attracted to the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He may have had, he may have feared persecution. He saw some things, experienced some things, and he may have feared persecution. For, the, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind. See, God didn't give you that fear of what the devil can do. The devil's giving you the fear of what he can do. What we need to do is, is, is stay focused upon what God has called us to do, and be found faithful. You know, he may have become burnt out. You've heard that before. Oh, they, that preacher quit serving the Lord, or that missionary quit serving the Lord, or that uh, faithful member quit serving the Lord, and they just abandoned the faith. They were just burnt out. They were just overused. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that one, not one bit, not one bit. I don't believe that a child of God is burnt out. Let me tell you why I don't believe it. I believe that, I believe that as we give, God gives. As we give more, we get more. We give, we get and there's a constant channel. Uh, you, 
you know why there's there's uh, chargers on on your uh, your cars? What are they called? Um, they charge the battery up. Alternate. You know why? Because if you use your battery very long, before long, uh, it'll burn up. But it's got to have that supply of source power, uh, giving it to the battery so the battery can keep functioning. When a child of God quits getting it from God, then he, it, the well is only so deep and he can only give so much. And, and if he doesn't keep getting it from God, then he's giving until he gets empty. And there's nothing more to give. And so the, the answer is keep getting it to God so you can give to God's people. I need the help today, you give help. I need strength today, you give strength. I need grace today, you give grace. And that's the way you get and then you give. And, and you'll never burn out that way. You say, how in the world is that preacher able to operate like he operates? I don't know how Brother Jeremy operates with just a few hours of sleep every night and not be a grouch. Where's Brother Jeremy? There he is. Yeah, he's a nice guy, isn't he? I've, in the several days that I've seen him, he's not been a grouch, but he doesn't get much sleep. Now, I don't understand that, but it doesn't matter. But what I'm trying to say, you, you've got you've to get power to, to have power. And the more you get, the more you give. And as long as that takes place, you're going to be okay. You can, you can burn the candle at both ends. You can keep on keeping on. But you've got to get it from heaven in order to give it. And I wonder if John Mark quit getting it from heaven. And so he got burnt out. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself, and do all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself. And I've got I've to think about me. I've got to say, Lord, I need it from you so that I can give it to them. God, I need it. And when you quit taking heed to yourself, then you can only give so much. And the battery and the well runs dry. He may have gotten weary in well-doing. Well, I just people just don't appreciate me like they once did. You know, I could say the pies and pets aren't coming like they once did 30-something years ago. They're not there. I used to come home, and, 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 and we, in Philadelphia, we didn't even lock our doors. And, and on our uh, table, it might be a big old uh, thing of beans or this or that or a pie or a cake or, or you name it. Uh, we don't get that anymore. But you know what? I'm not operating because we get those blessings like that. I'm operating because it's the will of God. And we keep on keeping on because it's the will of God. And it's nice when people encourage you along the way with a card or a pat on the back. I'm talking about a pat up high, not down low. Okay? And, and, and they encourage you, and maybe by what they say. You know, what I learned a long time ago, back in Philadelphia, I used to have a song leader. He was more charismatic than most charismatics. And I inherited it. And boy, he'd be dancing across the stage and this and that and, and, and leading singing, whatever. And I'd get so discouraged before I stood up there to encourage. So I sat back there and I said, oh, God. And then the Lord revealed to me, boy, if I could just see brother so-and-so whose life has been changed because of the gospel. 
sister such and such in this family that is coming to church and serving the Lord. They didn't always be that way. And that person back there, and this person over there, and that person, and that person. And it didn't matter what this song leader did. It didn't matter. When I got up there to preach, man, I was ready to go. Happy in the Lord. Because I had my focus on the right things. Folks, we must not be weary in well-doing. We can get weary along the way, but we must not be weary of the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And He is the way. He may have lost sight of His purpose and call. He may have lost sight. There's a lot of people that just forget uh, why they are uh, where they are doing what they're doing. If I, if I were to have, ask the average Christian, what are you doing for the cause of Christ? Well, um, um, I'm a, um, um, God's got something for everybody. He didn't intend for us to get saved to sit, sour, sit soak, and sour. He intended for us to get saved to serve. We don't serve to be saved, but when we get saved, we want to serve. There's just a natural thing that happens when a person has been changed and they get saved and they just, just can't seem to give enough, do enough, go far enough, be a blessing to others for the cause of Christ. And somewhere along the way, we forget our purpose. We forget God's glorious plan in our life. They don't have to be that way. That's why we have old-fashioned sin-denouncing, Bible-preaching, Holy Ghost revivals. To bring people back to the place where they remember what it was like when they were first saved. Revived, relived, live again. You don't have to uh, uh, live in drudgery of life. You've been saved. And now God has given you an opportunity to serve. Not all of us does the same thing. I don't stand up here and, and, and no one's asked me to sing a solo. Uh, they, I had one deaf lady ask me if I'd sing on a hill far away. And I appreciated that deaf lady very much. But I understand what she was doing. And, and I've, I've tried to get my, we have quartets and uh, trio. I said, look, can I just stand with you and just move my mouth? While they sing and hopes that someone would say, Preacher, you did a good job. I like that singing y'all did. No, nobody asked me to sing with them. When I start singing, my dog starts howling. I say, come on now. I, um, my wife says something. I don't understand what she means. She says, when you sing, you change keys. <coughs> change keys? I'll put them in a different pocket. My, my middle daughter... Um, I enjoy singing with her. She says, Daddy, when you start singing, you change keys, I change with you. It takes talent to be able to change keys like you do, Daddy, and I'm going to change keys with you. And so we sing, and I don't hear any bit of difference. But my wife that can sing and my son that can sing, they kind of grin and bear it. But what am I trying to say is, oh, let's not lose sight of our purpose and call. God's called me to be a preacher. I made a, a deal with the song that I said, I won't lead singing if you won't do the preaching. I'll do the preaching. And with God's help, and with my 
limited abilities. That's all I can do is offer him all I can do. And then little is much when God is in it. God can do great and glorious things. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. We must stay focused to stay straight and narrow. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Well, what happens if the finances aren't there? I'm going to just keep on keeping. What happens if I lose my job? I'm going to just keep on keeping. What happens if somebody gets sick? I'm going to just keep on keeping on. What happens if I've experienced the most depressing days of my life? I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Yeah, I think John Mark may have lost purpose of his call. I'm not real sure the reason why John Mark turned from the faith. But I do know this, that because he turned from the faith and he decided he wanted back in, the Apostle Paul and the great Barnabas, the great compassionate Barnabas, there was a a problem between them two because of John Mark. The Apostle Paul says, well, he turned tail and ran before in the midst of the work. He can do it again. And there's such truth to that. Such truth to that. It's hard to have confidence in someone who has a history of turning tail and running when times get tough. Very difficult. You know, it, in a marriage, one lie takes a long time before your spouse will trust you again. And you ought to just understand that. You know, my wife said to me, she said, uh, uh, why aren't you hungry? She said, did you have a taco this morning? And I smiled real big and I said, no, no, I didn't have a taco. I don't understand why you're not hungry. I said, well, I didn't have a taco. She said, did you have more than a taco? I said, yeah, I had two tacos. Did you know that you can tell the truth in such a way that somebody can believe a lie? And people do that constantly. They say things in such a way and they know that you're, you're being deceived, but deception is deception no matter how you deceive. And children of God need to be truthful. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to be Christ-like and we've got to be truthful. But that don't mean... You say, sister, such and such, your breath stinks. That's when you just keep your mouth shut. But if she's word asked, then you say it in a very nice way. I don't know how you say it in a very nice way, but however, I'll tell you how you say it. You offer her a piece of gum, a breath mint. She, Do I need it? Well, everybody needs breath mints. I have found out that, folks, I have not worn a mask hardly at all since being here. Praise God, I love it. But when I go back home, I'll be, and, and I'll be hours and hours at the airport and in the plane with a mask on. I have found out that I, I now, instead of brushing my tw- teeth twice a day, I brush them several times a day because I think the whole world stinks. And I realize it's my breath. So that's why I carry dentine gum. 
I don't know why people quit. I know the reason why I'm not going to quit. And the devil's going to try me. And he's going to present things and throw things our way so that in the end result, somebody will see our half, half, half cold, half hot, half in, half out, inconsistent life. When it ought to be, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You need to be faithful. 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 Faithful at church. Faithful with your prayer, Bible study, time with God. Faithful with your spouse. Faithful with your children. And faithfully trying to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be thankful.